everybody on this week of Guys Talking Sports. We're going to get into the uh, the trade with the Broncos, the Redskins, and Case Keenum. Um, how's that going to affect the draft? And is that going to lead any teams up or down in the draft out of the spots to our picture to be? Also, we're going to talk about um, Boston Celtics and Kyrie Irving is going to stay. Where are you going to go? This week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. This is Earl here with my two friends, as always, talking sports and talking a little bit of shit to go with it. So, fellas, Alan, uh, Ace, how are you guys doing um, this weekend? I know there's been a lot of stuff going on. Doing well, man. Can't complain. Looking forward to discussing the the topics of of, of of the week, but also looking forward to this Captain Marvel. As we uh, approach Avengers Endgame, <laughs> uh, that's that's my main focus. <laughs> I'm I'm basically just happy to be here um, to get started, and as I am as well, looking forward to the Captain Marvel. Yeah, you and sound like you sound like you're the line. I'm just here so I don't get to finally come out. <laughs> <laughs> all good so um i guess we can get started you know it's been a little bit of stuff popping off um nfl the new um i guess what you call it calendar year starts uh tomorrow i think it is the next week i believe one or two so um hold on a second can you guys hear me yep Good. Okay. 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 All right. All right. Good. All right. So the um the um, the new NFL calendar starts up uh either tomorrow or next week, I believe. So I know there's been a lot of stuff hot off the presses. Antonio Brown apparently might have a trade in place by tomorrow. I know a couple of the guys have been got some franchise tags. Landon Collins, big franchise tag for the Giants. But we're going to start off with something that might make a little bit of headlines coming to the draft. The Broncos trade Case Keenum, and as no surprise uh, to the Redskins, which is a surprise, um, because Alex Smith, from what I'm hearing, most likely <laughs> will not be quarterbacking next year um, based off that gruesome leg injury and probably won't be um, quarterbacking the Redskins ever again, in my opinion. But um, So with Case Keenum going to um, the Redskins, a guys, do you think this is a good um a good pickup? And B, how do you think this is going to affect the draft moving? Forward? I still think I still think that um I still think the Redskins are gonna have to go out and draft some draft somebody a QB. I don't think I think they'd be foolish to sit there and draft somebody in the first round. But I, I still think they're gonna have to go out there and uh, and draft somebody just because they don't have their future uh, their future QB, and they're gonna need that <laughs> in order to try to make themselves or keep themselves in pace with what's going on in uh, NFC East. So it wouldn't shock me if uh, the Giants somewhere in the Somewhere between, the, I'm sorry, the Redskins, somewhere between the uh, the fourth and sixth round, decide to take a take a shot and draft a QB. But Case Keenum, I guess, would be a a stopgap. But I mean, he's he's just an average to below average type of QB at this point in his career. So you get what you pay for. <laughs> the Redskins ma- managed to. Uh, Managed to grab a seventh round pick in the deal, but they had to give up a sixth round pick in order to uh, to even get him. So that just goes to show you uh, he's sort of like the bottom of the barrel at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I thought that this, I agree with you. I think they definitely still need a quarterback. Um, they need to invest in their future. Case Keenum is, you know, as much as they traded to get him. He's not their future right now. And with the uncertainty of Alex Smith, it's just going to make this 
a much more realistic approach that the Redskins is taking. So I think they really do need to draft a QB for the future. They need to look at their future long-term goals at this point. And Case Keenum right now is probably more of a short-term deal than anything. So I wouldn't also be surprised they actually, if they don't grab a QB in a draft, they are going to probably look at someone in free agency, um, someone who may not be like a household name, but someone to compete with Case Keenum as quarterback you know, at least until they figure out what they're going to do with Alex Smith. Personally, I don't know why the hell they didn't just take a flyer on uh, Colin Cabinet. Well, you, <laughs> you already know the reason why behind it. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the, the, the NFL being mum on the whole collusion thing just makes it even more apparent that they were colluding. <laughs> so why not? So why not a, a team take a damn put, let bygones be bygones and just go ahead and sign the man? Because they gave him all that money, so he ain't never stepped a foot on the NFL field again. That was probably the the quiet back end of the deal. So trust me, he got that money. He not step a foot on the NFL field for any team ever again. And I don't at this point, I don't think he wants to. But to your point. But I'm with you, Al. I think that uh, right now the case was just a stopgap measure. I think that they're hedging their bets. Um, I'm, I'm skeptical if Alex Smith is going to – I think he's going to come back, but he's never going to be the same player that he is. Case Keenum is something that you can put in there for right now to kind of keep everything going. Um, my guess is is that they prop more than likely they're probably going to be looking towards – the draft next year um, to probably try to go up and get a QB because the big name out there is probably going to be um, the kid from Alabama, Tua Tungalova. Um, I think um, the other kid from Clemson, he has another year, so he's not going to be available. But um, I think the, the draft class of QBs next year is probably going to be a little bit more fruitful than the draft class of QBs this year. So... I'm with you. They're just hedging their bets. They got Case Keenum in there for probably about a year or two. Alex Smith, they're going to hedge their bets. And then next year, if things don't work out, with, you know, work out with Case Keenum, you can still go in the draft, move up, and try to get a um, next year. I mean, to be honest with you, there's no reason why, you know, they, it's, I get what you're saying as far as, like, why not look for someone out there more immediate? And to be honest, they may still do that. Um, just because they got Case Keenum doesn't mean that it's the end-all, be-all. So I, I would not really be surprised if they actually do um, get us look for free agency um, through free agency as far as the quarterback is concerned. And continue, like I said before, just, just compete for the starting job and then take it from there. But whoever they get, they have to be remain competitive in the NFC East. I mean, basically they have the talent there. Um, although Alex Smith did put them over the top as far as winning games, um, I believe they still have enough talent. They just need to find a serviceable and manageable quarterback. We talk about the Redskins. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like right now, the Redskins is not, you know, it's not like they're at the bottom of the battle barrel when it comes to NFC East. Um, even if they have Case Keenum there as a quarterback, I think it would still be enough to be competitive in the East. Not saying that they're going to win, but I'm just saying to at least be competitive in the East. Yeah, but they ain't got no, they ain't got no true legitimate receivers. Adrian Peterson. I mean, I don't know how much more he got left in the tank. Hey, hey, you remember you said that last year? <laughs> remember you said that last uh, year? Yeah. I mean, he came out the gate hard, but, I mean, he didn't – he wasn't blazing the trail towards the end of the season, though. <laughs> I mean, well, they, well, the Redskins well, need offense badly. Well, wait. When Alex Smith got injured, the focus of the defense shifted to Adrian Peterson. So, it's going to be a little bit more tougher with – you know, him being the focal point of the offense. When he wasn't being thought of as an afterthought, that's when he was productive. 
They say he's very bullish on that. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not, again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Adrian Peterson is like done, but I mean, can you really count on him to be your true number one? I, I mean, if I were the GM or if I were the owner, I couldn't, I couldn't say that. But, you know, I guess that's why, you know, we're, we're armchair GMs because, uh, you know, those are the difficult uh, decisions that they have to make in in order to uh, field a uh, competitive uh, program. <laughs> yeah, I look at it like this: before Alex Smith uh, got, you know, had that bad injury, I mean, the Redskins were putting in some work, and and I think that they might have been able to eke out the, the NFC East win because um, they were trending that way prior to that. Because the Eagles were looking a little bit, you know, ridiculous. The Cowboys. Got lucky, and um, but um, the Redskins prior to that, I think they were they weren't the best in the NFC, but they were definitely, I think, playing a lot better in the NFC East than the rest of the teams uh, collectively. Um, like I said, I think Brock Osweiler, all he, I mean, Case Keenan, all he is is a guy that can you know that that can um, keep this keep the ship going, and he's a He's just a stopgap manager just to kind of see if you if you want to ride with him a little bit more if Alex Smith doesn't work out or if he does that, Alex Smith is still doesn't bad, then you can still kind of position yourself in there to go for a previous draft. So to me, I think the case Keenum for the Redskins makes sense. Mm, I don't know. I think it uh I think that uh I think personally that even with Case Keenum and Colt McCoy, I think the Redskins are an eight and eighteen. <laughs> oh no, he's not a long term answer. He's just a short term, you know, thumb in the you know, thumb in the wall <laughs> for right now. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But still they don't even have no true weapons. And that to me, I mean the the way they have Jordan Reed, but Jordan Reed can't stay healthy to save his life. <laughs> but then they uh, I can't even think of the, the receivers that they have but you know there's going to be some there's going to be some stuff out there on the market I'm sure they might be able to matter of fact Pierre Garçon is, uh, just got fully released the, uh, the, the 49ers didn't pick up the option the, um, the option on Pierre Garçon so it's a it's a, a a real strong possibility he might be you know land back in the Redskins country. Hey, don't be surprised; they got a pretty decent draft pick, so they might try to make some, get the kid from Ole Miss Metcalf that had everybody you know you know tripping over themselves in the in the draft. So don't be surprised to get a receiver. Now I don't I don't I don't <laughs> two games Ole Miss, so I can't say specifically he's a game changer, but. Like you said, a offensive weapon. So I wouldn't be surprised if they picked themselves up off the piece in the first round. You want to know what I heard in the car as I was going to get gas maybe just an hour ago? And I found this to be really interesting. I don't know how much truth there is to it or how credible it is, but it was on the sports radio. They were talking about Anthony Anthony Brown or A.B. I guess it's Anthony Brown. I don't know. Whatever the hell his name is. Antonio. You mean Antonio. Antonio. There we go. Yeah. So anyway, they're talking about teams that, you know, are backing out of the sweepstakes for him. And they were saying that Oakland was the spot, you know, just because they probably have the the most draft picks or whatever, whatever. And the, the, the dude was saying that I ideally – the owner and GM would like to ship uh, AB over to the NFC, and ideally they would like him to go to the uh, to the 49ers. Now, of course, I got a little giddy, but I know that's just not happening. But what really kind of made my, my hair stand up a little bit was they're saying that the rumor is that the Niners are trying to acquire OBJ. OB 
the Jason. You know what? I'm not even gonna go into all this with the rumors at this point. Um, because some, I will say this: until I actually see the trade official, I'm not gonna say anything in regards to the rumors out there. No, again, I'm here in Baltimore. I'm not in. I'm not in Niner country. So to even hear this on a Baltimore radio station it has some weight to it. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. I mean, it just seemed weird. I'm like, why would we want to go and deal for for Odell? I'm not saying why we shouldn't deal for Odell. I just, I would think that if it was something like that where the Niners are really sitting there trying to contemplate for this trade that. Because it's New York and it's Odell Beckham, that you know it would have a little bit more buzz on the street. Now, this is all this is the first I'm hearing about it, so I was curious to know if you guys heard anything about it. I haven't heard anything about it. I know the um, Dave Gettleman is the um, he hasn't said that they are specifically not trying to trade Odell, but they said that they're not making any plans to move him. And I mean. A, if you want to move him, you should have did it last year before the draft. And B, it makes literally no sense to sign his dude to a contract extension and then the very next year want a contract and then just trade him. And then the team is stuck with that high because he's he's getting paid top dollar. So I mean, it's going to take up a large amount of anyone's um, you know cap space. Um, never say never, but if I'm the Giants, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they wouldn't, but I wouldn't see them trade him to a team in the NFC. Come back and bite your ass, especially for the Niners. Yeah, I, I just mm. I can't see them trade, being traded to an NFC either. Someone with that talent definitely would have to go to the AFC if I'm a GM. And if I was even thinking about trading him, he would definitely have to go to an AFC team. I. I Gruden is trying to build his squad and his eyes and his vision. So who knows is Ram, you know, going through that man's head. Um just like for for whatever reason, I don't know why you would give up on on um I forget the name of the kid that they traded to the Cowboys. What was his name, the wide receiver? Um I'm already Cooper, right? I'm not sure why they would give up on. And Amari Cooper was only winning 20, 25, 26. Four years, I mean, he's four years younger than AB. Now, I'm not saying he's as explosive as AB, but he's he was very manageable. He had a very manageable contract. Yeah, you might have had to pay him, but you wouldn't have had to pay him type of AB type money. So it's just crazy to me that. The Raiders would sit there and trade away Amari Cooper to then bring in A.B. and pay God knows how much more money they would have had to pay to, to, to re-sign Amari, Amari Cooper. And the, the fact that he was about four years younger and still had the prime of his career ahead of him is just baffling to me. But, you know, John Gruden is John Gruden, so... Yeah. You're getting feedback when you talk. Huh? You're getting feedback when you talk. Okay. How much feedback? Much better. <laughs> much better. better. Now, um, I agree with you. I agree with you what you were saying. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see where 
how everything is going to play off with the coming up with the free agents still out there. And basically, with all the, the trades that the moves that are being made, um, like I said before, whether it's short term or whether it's going to be long, they have a long term term goal in mind. The NFL is really setting up, I think, really for the long the long haul. Um, I think like with the Redskins having um, having what happened to Alex Smith, the short term goals is with Case Keenum and everything. But I think they are really setting up for the long haul. I think that other teams is doing that too. If they're going to make a run, if any team is going to make a run at like stars like OBJ or Antonio Brown or any of the other people that's out there that are super well-known NFL stars, um, they got to make sure that they're going to do this for the long haul. They can't expect this to happen on like two, three-year contract. They need to make the trades that they're going to make and invest in these superstars long haul. Now, whether or not the NFL, any NFL team is going to commit to that for a particular um, but with everything that's going on with Antonio Brown, for example, um, knowing, you know, what you get with him, what you get with OBJ, what you get with um, all these other superstars, um, teams are going to be much more invested to make sure that that the superstar is committed to that team and committed for the long haul. So it's going to be interesting to see what deals is going to be made behind the scenes to bring in certain stars. And I'm very interested to see where these stars are going to land this summer. Or not this summer, but you know what I mean. This offseason. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you know, the, um, the, new, the new football season starts up, you know, you know, next few days. So, actually tomorrow, and, uh, they're definitely going to start probably seeing the flurry of moves, you know, tomorrow and over the weekend and probably the next week. So, I think definitely it's going to be a telltale sign of uh, – I'm pretty believe how the draft is probably going to unfold out based off this, off this next week or two weeks before the, you know before the draft. With that being said, now that we have Case Keenum going to the Redskins, um, the combine was last weekend. Um, some people definitely shined. Some people uh, did okay. Um, but definitely, there's been a lot of talk about Kyler Murray and his possible bad interview and. Nick Bosa running, he wasn't bad, but he wasn't great, so he didn't really stand up to pick. But with the Redskins getting Case Keenum, how do you think this is unfold for the drafted and guards as Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins? Do you believe Kyler Murray is actually going to go number one to the Cardinals? Um, coffee clearing, or do you think that the Cardinals going to pass up on him and go in a different direction? Um, I don't. I don't know if uh, Case Keenum, the signing of Case Keenum, is gonna is gonna deter teams from choosing Kyler Murray or uh, or uh, my man from Ohio State, Dwayne Dwayne Haskins. Personally. Arizona, I guess with Kingsbury, uh, Cliff, you know Cliff Kingsbury being the head coach for Arizona, and being that he was he was uh, Kyler Murray's coach for a season over a season or two at Texas Tech. Um, he feels as though he may have some sort of an advantage. Now, yes, they're hoping that they can strike some sort of uh, lightning in a bottle, like how with Baker over in Cleveland by drafting Kyler, Kyler Murray, but uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I think he'll be a great quarterback. In the, uh, well, you know what? Let me, let me not put the cart before the horse. I think he'll be a decent quarterback. But if I were the Arizona Cardinals, I got Josh Rosen. There's some quarterback needy teams out there. You could probably still get a, a decent, a decent draft pick for them. Go ahead and tra- trade Rosen, and I would get Haskins personally because I think he might be more of a franchise QB. But you know, everything is like a crapshoot in the NFL. You don't really know what the heck you're getting. You're just hoping that if you pick somebody number one or in the first round, you're thinking you're going to at least get three, three to five good years of production out of them. 
Uh, but quarterback is a whole different breed. You know, they they don't groom them nowadays, so it's like you're just pretty much thrown to the wolves. And if you don't make something of yourselves in two seasons, then you're just kind of tossed away, you know, for the next for the next person to come in and, and do whatever. So, But then you have players like Mark Sanchez that still seems to, to get playing time. And he's trash. But, eh, hit or miss. <laughs> no, but what it does tell me is that basically it, it basically tells me that, you know, like I said before, I think that teams are looking at the long haul. The Case Keenum trade makes me realize that the Broncos are definitely going to pick a quarterback um, in the first round, at least in my opinion. I could see them doing that. Um, I mean, I think they have someone in mind. Pick a, uh, what, you say the Broncos are going to pick one in the first round? You said you think that the Broncos are going to pick one in the first round? Yeah, I think the Broncos are going to pick a quarterback in the first round. Um, I think that based off of – I just have a it, – it's just my opinion. Um, whoever is left, uh, the most valuable quarterback that's left remaining, I think Broncos is going to pick one. Um, take them. Whether Kyler Murray is still on the board or whether, like, Haskins is still there um, remains to be seen. I really believe that someone – one of those is going to – one of those players is going to get taken before the Broncos come up. And when the Broncos do come up, if – there's an, if one of them is still remaining, I can see them taking that QB and then focusing on everything else going forward. Um, now, again, all this does is just tells me that I, like I said before, I really believe that NFL teams are looking at the long haul. Um, the Giants, of course, I think with Eli Manning, of course, still be in there. I think that they're going to be looking at taking up QB, of course, as well. So there's so many teams out there that is looking to set themselves up for the future now. And I think that they're going to make future picks for players that they're going to want to groom and get ahead of so that maybe like some next season they'll be already in the mix doing, you know, starting or, you know, at least in the running for doing, you know, a lot more than just picking a player and just having them sit and wait. Yeah, I definitely think at least with as the Redskins concerned, I think Case Keenum signing basically will probably, at least for this season, I think it probably takes him out as being kind of players who draft a QB right now. Because, um, like you said, I think they're going to look for the future. So I think I don't see them making any stronger moves to move up the draft to pick uh, Kyler Murray or Haskins. The Giants. Giants are real funny because they need a QB. Um, obviously, they don't, I don't think they're they don't appear like they're sold on Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins. To be perfect, actually, I don't think they're sold on any QB unless they're keeping things real close to the vest. So, I think if Dwayne Haskins is still there at the sixth pick, I think they'll probably take him and have him sit behind Eli. Um, to me. Drafting Josh Rosen with the Arizona Cardinals, moving up spots to pick him. You, you know, you traded away some picks to get up there to um, pick him, only to come back a year later and pick Kyler Murray. To me, that just seems silly. I mean, the guys over there running the Arizona Cardinals, I don't know. But um, it just, I don't know. It just seems real silly to me to do that. But if they do, <sighs> I don't know. It's. I'm not sold on either Kyler Murray or or Dwayne Haskins, perfectly honest. Specifically Kyler Murray because yes, he played in Oklahoma after um, you know, after um, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he had a little bit better numbers, a little bit better, you know, passing yardage and some you know, TDs. But you only got one year body of work where at least with Baker Mayfield, you had two up to three years of body of work. So you can kind of say, oh, okay, this kid is gonna be ready to go as soon as he gets in the NFL. Kyler Murray, you have one, let's be honest, one great year after him, and then now he's ready for number one because because of that one great year. I mean, what's not to say he's going to have a bad year next year, which would be the Arizona Cardinals' first year. So, I don't know. This this draft quarterback thing is going to be really interesting. I would not be at all surprised if the Cardinals 
don't pick Colin Moore, the way I have to, for the Giants. I don't think the Giants are particularly sold. Even though they're saying things, I don't think they are. Well, don't forget, though Kyler only Kyler played the one season in Oklahoma, but you have to remember that uh, Kyler was the QB that came in right after Manz. I'm sorry, Kyler was at A and M, and I think Kyler Murray was the QB that came in after after Manziel, and. I think. Well, hold on. Let me let me double check that. I could have sworn Kyler Murray was at A and M. A statistician is for Yeah, I am correct. I'm sorry. I said that. I said that uh, initially. I said that Kyler Murray was at Texas Tech. I was incorrect. Kyler Murray started at A and M, and he was the he started as a freshman uh, after uh, Manziel left to go to the NFL, and he started off red hot. They were comparing him to be the next Manziel. But then he got hurt. When he got hurt, he lost his job. And then when it came around to spring ball, he wasn't getting the job back, so he opted to transfer out. And that's how he landed at Oklahoma. But he played eight games as a freshman. And he was the actual starter. But I think what happened was he got hurt. He started off red hot at A&M, and then – he started throwing some picks and some other stuff. So I mean, there's some, there's some 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 film of him out there because he he even played behind Baker um, the year before because you know Oklahoma was blowing out so many different teams that he he was able to get some playing time behind Baker Mayfield. So there was some tape out there, but I mean, you're right, Earl. As far as a full season with just him. I mean, he put up some ridiculous, ridiculous numbers, but he was he was kind of highly touted as that freshman when he was at A and M. Just that he hit a bump in the road and lost the job, and he just didn't he didn't he didn't go back to, uh, back to A and M. Transfer. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's no much thing as competition anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I definitely think I'm with you guys. This draft is going to be very interesting. This is definitely heavy. And I think the first, I think out of the first 15 picks, I think at least 13 of those 15 picks are definitely going to be defensive, um, defensive-minded players. Maybe not 13. I'd probably say out of the first 15, I'd probably say at least 10 would be probably defensive players. So with the two QBs sprinkled in and then these alignment, but it's going to be very interesting. And I'm with you, Al. I think these guys are playing for the long haul. I think that um, whoever takes Kyle Murray or Dwayne Hassan is definitely going to have a good QB, whether or not they're franchise players. We don't know if they're going to be more Russell Wilson or EJ Daniels or James Winston. I mean, it's a crapshoot. You don't know. So, I mean, there's not one true person out there that you can definitely look and see, like, yeah, that's our guy. He's definitely franchised. Kyle Murray has a lot of question marks, even Dwayne Haskins. But if I had to put money down, the safer bet would probably be Dwayne Haskins. And I, like I said, I think the Giants don't feel like they're that sold on them, but if he's at number six, they'll probably pick him. But I would not be surprised if they didn't pick him. And went in went a different direction. And then you hear New York fans probably scream from <laughs> from all five boroughs at that point. If if the Giants were smart, they would if 
if Haskins is available at six, they get him at six. And then you guys should go and get your tackle in the second round. <clears throat> no, your left and your right tackle in the second round and start building that line. Because you got a weapon in Barkley. Hopefully you still have OBJ. You have your weapon on the outside. You got your franchise QB in a wing. That's that's you starting to build that young nucleus to get you guys back up on uh back in shape. You know, secure a tackle, secure a guard, you know, then get some defensive help in uh rounds four through six, four through seven. Y'all be y'all be in some good shape. But you guys gotta address QB and offensive line, your first three picks. And trust me, those aren't the sexy picks that everybody's going to be oohing on about. But, you know, when when Eli is standing upright and he can actually throw the ball down down the field and not get touched, everybody would be happy after that. a line that was just they've neglected for the last four years so I'm with you that's <laughs> that should be top priority on Dave Gellman's list you know some old linemen and and if you're really really smart get a, um, a nice durable running back to take some of the hits off of um, Saquon Barkley because he did good this year but you don't want him to get, get keyed up on and be looking like um, Todd Gurley with arthritis in his knees Hopefully they'll 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 be wise about that move. Um, but real quick before we um before we wrap up, switching gears real quick here um, about the about the NBA. We're not going to talk about the disaster that is the Los Angeles Lakers because you know we know what it is, and LeBron James can be the goat, and regardless of whether you went to your team and it sucks, and we're going to give a pass for this year, even though he's supposed to be able to take bad teams to the finals like he did with Cleveland. Oh, but wait, he's in the West, so okay, well. Overlook all of that, but I want to talk about the, the Boston Celtics. You guys think that Kyrie Irving is on his way out, and if so, where is he going to wind up? I'm going to defer to the resident uh, NBA expert that loves the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Actually, I wish he would go to the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> um, you know what? It's so funny because I was listening to um, our previous podcast um, roughly about a year ago when, not no, not a year ago, a couple of months ago when the NBA season um, just kicked off for the free agency. And we was talking about, um, like, with the fact that L- uh, LeBron going to L.A., um, a couple of free agents making moves and stuff like that. And, and it's funny because – when I first heard, when I was listening to it, um, A said, like, hey, you know, don't be surprised if Kyrie um, plays his last season here and goes to, like, somewhere in New York. Um, him teaming up with J- Jimmy Butler, and they could be on the Knicks. And, you know, when he said that, I was like, I don't know. But after seeing this season and seeing how dysfunctional the Boston Celtics is real quick, Man, Ace, man, I got to give you props because you called it. And I'm not with the Jimmy Butler, but more with the Kyrie Irving. So at first I was like, there's no way Kyrie said he wanted to come here. You know, he, he loved, you know, he wanted that Boston, you know, he wanted to take this team. It'd be perfect opportunity for him. But man, he's just been self-imploding right now. And to be honest, I don't think he cares much about winning anymore, more so just being the man and teaming up with somebody that wants to be the man. And I I get it now. I really believe now that he will not be with Boston um, at the end of this season, and I believe he will go to New York. Um, at first I was saying, how why would he do that? Because KP is no longer there. But to be honest, I don't think it even matters to him. Like, he just wants to have what he wants and the best thing for him and to be with another superstar is to be with a team that can offer him two max contracts. And honestly, New York Knicks can do both without question. Um, so I can honestly see him going to the Knicks. Um, to be honest, 
I feel I would feel bad for Dennis Smith Jr. because I could see him excelling to be a great point guard um, with the right tutelage. Not saying that it's, it would be very interesting. Uh, right now, Boston overall, I just don't see the chemistry there for them to make it to the Eastern make it even to the Eastern Conference Finals until they get their act together. I have either Milwaukee or Toronto in the Eastern Conference Finals. I can even see Indiana in the Eastern Conference more than Boston right now. But in Philadelphia, sorry, overlooking Philadelphia. Um, I see Philly, Philly, I see Toronto and Milwaukee as the three teams in the Eastern Conference. That'll be a battle until Boston gets their act together. And it's funny because they seem to play better when Kyrie is out. So take that with a grain of salt. I'm just going to leave it at that. I think Boston needs to get their act together. And they need to get it back together soon or they won't make it past the second round of the, of the playoffs. Uh, Danny Ainge should have just got rid of Danny Ainge should have traded Kyrie after last season when he realized that he had a court good enough where Kyrie wasn't necessarily needed. It's nice to have. I mean, he has that clutch gene. But it might have given the opportunity of the Jason Tatums and the Jalen Browns and all of them to really blossom even more to be a, a real powerhouse in the East. Or let Kyrie go off and do whatever Kyrie wants to do, you know, because, you know, he does say that the earth is flat. So maybe he would have walked somewhere and, well, still flat. But I, I truly think that. When he had that conversation with LeBron saying I, he apologizes, I think that's when the epiphany hit him. That I think he realized that, you know, last year it was my squad and then I got hurt. And then I realized or they realized that it wasn't so much Kyrie's squad, but it was more the Boston Celtics coming together as a team, doing what they need to do to win. And this year, they're like, well, we had a great chemistry from last year. Why can't we continue to do what we were doing last year? And Kyrie realized that he ain't the man. <laughs> and uh, he got humbled. <laughs> and he didn't realize that despite me being disgruntled, I was in a pretty darn good situation in Cleveland. And we could be winning. <laughs> and I was sort of kind of the man because LeBron – allowed me to be that dude, even though he was the name. LeBron is not afraid to pass the ball and let somebody else take the last shot. <laughs> so, you know, uh, a good slice of humble pie really kind of put put Kyrie in a situation and now he's all in his feelings. And now he just has this laissez-faire type of attitude going on where he's just like, whatever. If we win, we win. We don't, we don't. And take it with a grain of salt. I, I truly believe that he has one foot out the door and the other foot is like picked up in the air, ready to close the door behind him. <laughs> yeah, I think he's going. Let's be honest. Both of them jokers are in their feelings. Yeah, LeBron would be willing to give up the last shot to Kyrie, but LeBron was not willing to give up the fucking spotlight to anybody, period. So I understand why Kyrie left. I do kind of get why Steve, I mean, uh, Danny Ainge didn't trade him because A, he just traded for him and he got hurt. And B, they, they were in that last game, but they needed a Kyrie to take over that game, game seven, to kind of get them to the hump. So I guess he figured, you know, let's see how they go. If we, if we insert Kyrie in the mix, yeah, they got a good team. But like you said, it was the chemistry wasn't there. And um, I think that Kyrie's probably. I don't think he's having buyer's remorse, but I think he just kind of felt like, or maybe he's feeling like, you know, this team isn't a team with me. And he wants to go somewhere where he doesn't have all the, he doesn't have all the pressure of having to be the man all by himself uh, or lose one of his possessions. Because all the comments that he made, A, I think he talked himself right out of Boston. Um, B, I think the players don't give a damn hoot about him because after you sat there and left LeBron only to call LeBron and apologize, not do that, but made it fucking public. Then you want to blame the rest of the players for not doing well. 
I think that really killed him. If you could have called LeBron and, you know, on, on a humble tip and be like, yeah, you know what, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. But you didn't have to make that shit public. And that, I don't think that sit well with the players, him blaming the players, everybody else besides him, him making those ridiculous comments. So, for me, I think he talked his way right out of Boston. Um, I don't think Boston probably going to offer. They might try to say, offer you something, but it's really going to not be their full four effort. And I think at the end of the day, I'm with you, Ace. They had to see how it was going to be with dealing with Kyrie, and I think now they realize is not working with him. He was hoping that it would, but it's not. I think he's, he may go to New York, or he can wind up with the Clippers. With Kevin Durant, depending on how this season falls out, and the way Golden State looks right about now, let's say get this shit together. They might make it to the Western Conference Finals only to lose to the Houston Rockets with a healthy Chris Paul. I agree with you on that. Golden State needs to be beware. But I need to say this as far as, like, with superstars. Like, you have to understand. And now I understand why LeBron does what he does as far as bringing in the people that he wants. Because, let's be honest, we keep talking about, you know, superstars. For order for me to get as much accolades as possible. I wanted to see whether or not he was going to be able to take a team with so many young talent and bring them into the postseason. And obviously, if this just goes to show, and like with LeBron, he needs veteran players, players that can shoot the ball for him to make it to the playoffs. He can't do it with young talent. Look, young talent. And we see that with the Lakers now. Because now you see what the Lakers are with the young talent surrounded by surrounding um, LeBron James. It seems as though Kyrie Irving is taking up that same mentality where he's going to look with veterans to become with him to do this, use that same formula to get them to not just the playoffs, but to the Eastern Conference Finals. seems as though that everybody's going to try to, like, I'm not saying write off, but it's good to show the young players how to get advanced into the playoffs. But it's difficult when you're so used to dealing with veterans, you're going to try to lean this young squad. This young squad is not going to really be on your coattail, so to speak, to be on this team camaraderie situation where every, all the young players is going to be like, yeah, we'll do whatever you say. It's not going to work like that. And seeing that happening with LeBron, with the Lakers, seeing it happen with Kyrie, like the young players right now not feeling Kyrie at all with Boston. They feel as though that they have the chemistry they need without Kyrie. And the young players feel as though LeBron, even though he is who he is, pretty much dismantled the chemistry when um, everybody was getting, was like not healthy with LeBron being out. Um, coming back now, it just seems so that the chemistry was just completely thrown off. So bottom line is, is that the superstar needs to be a little bit more patient and maybe go around a, you know, not coddling, but showing them the right way what to do. We talked about it before with LeBron's lack of defense showing these young players looking at you like, yo, you, you know, you're LeBron James. You're not supposed to be slacking off on defense. And with Kyrie, you know, you all up in your feelings in regards to, you know, not, not listening to you and stuff like that. It shows no leadership. Like, you should be in a position to say, hey, look, I know what I've been, you know, I'm going to lead by example going through media and just all in your feelings and it's not working and you can't blame the young players for trying to follow your lead just because you won a championship. You won a championship with veteran players. You ain't win a championship with young players. So there's a difference. And I think people need to realize that, and this goes for both LeBron and Kyrie, like your formula of winning is different because you've dealt with veteran players. Younger players is not going to be in that same position as the veterans. So you're going to have to come at them a little bit different than what you would have done with veteran players. And obviously it's showing because right now both teams are dysfunctional. And until that gets resolved or until Kyrie leaves or whatever happens with LeBron where y'all dismantle the Lakers, something needs to give because this current team as it's constructed is not going to work. And that goes for both Lakers and Boston. Sorry to take up too much time, but 
I just wanted to voice that. I agree. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. But the only one thing I, I will add to that is that, uh, yes, LeBron James needs veteran players when she was around him, and it's not working with young players only because there's no actual system that they play in that accentuates the young players in him. There's not a triangle where you can fit these guys and put them in pieces with the young and old. With, with LeBron, with Kyrie, and actually with a lot of players now, it's all ISO. It's all ISO. And with the ISO players, they need shooters on the side. So that's why LeBron James, like you said, Al, needs the veterans, needs the shooters out in the wings because he goes ISO. But when he drives the lane, he's got shooters to shoot out of him. If you have a system, you don't always have to worry about dismantling the whole freaking team. You can integrate into that system, get the players that are there, keep going, which is one of the reasons why you always had San Antonio Spurs that always played really well. It's one of the reasons why you already had the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan with six championships. The triangle didn't matter about veteran or young or who you pick and choose. As long as those players can play in that system, be it young or old, you click. And you didn't have Michael Jordan dismantling the team, getting big players that just accentuate his ISO ball style. But yeah, he went ISO, but you had the triangle, even with Kobe. Kobe went ISO, but he played in the triangle, and he always had his pieces around him. That's why you had the Lamar Odoms of the world. You had um, the Ronald Tess and other people that were able to excel. He didn't have to have shooters around him. He just had to have people that fit well into that triangle or that offensive scheme which is the one thing that I think a lot of people overlook with LeBron James. Yeah, he doesn't have the triangle, but if he had a more stable offensive system in Cleveland, he wouldn't have left. Or in Miami, he wouldn't have left. And he would have had at least five champ, you know, rings by now instead of the three and all the multiple losses that he had. But we'll save it for another day. Um, unfortunately, guys, we're coming on our time. And my battery life on the phone is about to die out. So, <laughs> um, guys, um, let me know where you can find you. And who you can, um, uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at uh, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am our Qualls. Twitter and Instagram, I am our Qualls. And free crystal mates. Love, uh, you can find me on the brand, Snapchat, Twitter at JGLaw7. Um, and uh, hopefully, I'll be able to catch that tomorrow this weekend. But if not, I'll have a sweet See you next week. So, as always, thank you guys for um, coming out and listening to us and subscribing to the podcast. And as always, love and peace to the soul. God bless. Have a good one. Till next week.